Paris-based wine expert Olivier Magny joins us today on Travel with Rick Steves for a witty insider's look at the personality of the typical Parisian. His book, Stuff Parisians Like, pokes gentle fun at his fellow Parisians, gives tips for visitors on blending in, and even adds a dash of French philosophy. He's born and bred in Paris, and he operates a boutique wine bar in the center of town. Olivier joins us now to help us comprehend what makes his fellow Parisians tick, and also what ticks him off. Olivier, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Rick. Why do you choose to make Paris your home? Well, it's not much of a choice, really. I was born there, so were my parents. My four grandparents have spent their entire lifetime in Paris. So I guess I qualify as a as a full-on Parisian, born and raised. It is such a, a gorgeous city. I, I feel really lucky to have been born and have grown up in this city. I understand this book, which is newly available in English, was a bestseller in French before you took it out in English. Yeah, that is correct. I, I was tremendously lucky with the French version of the book. People, the press raved about it, and it became really popular. And it was really unexpected for me because my uh, my first profession is not being an author; it's really wine. So, so it's just a second career for me. And uh, yeah, the, the book in English is an extremely exciting development. Yeah. Now people can learn about your wine work at your website o-chateau.com. But right now we're talking about stuff Parisians like. It's just so fun to to read through this book and develop sort of a a joy of all the, the quirky little differences. The French people, for instance, or at least the Parisians, love the word petite. Well, <laughs> Parisians are exquisitely delicate people, aren't they? No, ser- seriously. Indulging for, for Parisians is something that is um, you know, it's pretty hard to do. So whenever something pleasurable is mentioned in a conversation, they sort of have to use the word petite with it. In Paris, like you don't have a drink, you have a petite drink. Uh, you don't go away for a weekend, you go away for a petite weekend. Uh, you hear the word petite in every other sentence, well, to the point really where now it's become vastly rational. You know, like if, you, if you're going to pay with your credit card, you won't be asked for your signature. You're going to be asked for une petite signature, s'il vous plaît. Huh. So the, uh, the beginner in, in the French language would think a, a small drink or a small signature, but it's not that at all. It's just a, give me a, give me a, a sweet signature. Exactly. Yeah. It's, you want to, to temper things. You know, big is, a, is not something that is a valued too highly in, in France. Uh, we prefer things that are a bit more small. Excess is, is vulgar. So um, Parisians shall not indulge. You know, they, they never go all the way, uh, let's say. So the opposite of petite would be an insult then. What's the opposite of petite? It might be gros, yeah, so it's something that is a bit more crass, you know. So it's, it's about, you know, containing yourself when you want to be a Parisian. Um, you never order that second bottle of wine, you know. Excess is not safe, and Parisians like it pretty safe. When a tourist goes to Paris, it just feels like a lot of people are complaining. Do you get that take as a Parisian that, that just people are, are just unsatisfied in general? or wh- Why do they complain so much? <laughs> yeah, that is very true. It annoys even Parisians. But, you know, in Paris... I'd say that enthusiasm is considered a mild form of retardation. You know, if you're happy, <laughs> you must be stupid somehow. And on the other hand, if you complain, well, you must be smart. You know, there's a, there's a very beautiful Parisian syllogism here, uh, which is at hand, which is basically that the person who complains is the person who spotted the problem. The person who spotted the problem is the smart person. And therefore, necessarily, the person who complains is the smart person. It's pretty foolproof, really. That puts an American in a bad light because a lot of us are going there just saying, Thank you very much. Everything is so beautiful. Oh wow, we're we're smiling. They kind of look at us like the village idiot. <laughs> well, there's some truth to that, you know. Like 
Parisians have, have a very unique uh, relationship to Americans. And their initial re- reaction, whenever you talk about les Américains, you know, in a sentence in, in Paris, the immediate thing you get is, well, but they're all stupid. If I manage to explain, you know, that in what is probably the most creative, the most successful country in the world, you know, there has to be a few smart people at least. Then Parisians like to pull out the, the culture card, you know, like they're all certain that Americans are completely devoid of culture. So it's pretty fascinating, actually, to notice that aspect of French culture these days. Like, they all watch American movies, they use American words, they wear American clothes, they um, listen to American music, eat American food, and yet they are absolutely convinced that American culture does not exist. You know, Americans to the Persians are fat, they're stupid, they're ugly, period. That's the (laughs) end of the story. And then they think this, you know, and then they go home and sit on their couch and watch Sex and the City or a DVD of Woody Allen. So, And if you object and you say, well, you know, Woody Allen is uh, American. He's like, no, he's not American. He's from New York. You know, So they're pretty hard to beat these Parisians. You know, I, I'm always impressed by how in the United States we have this kind of a smiley face culture. It's just, you know, people have to say, have a good day. And uh, it, it must come off as a little bit superficial to Parisians because they're not a smiley face kind of people. No, to say the least, no, they're not. I think it's something extremely pleasurable when you actually come to the U.S., even for French people, to see that there's another way to be that is possible. You know, you can be smiley, you can be positive, as opposed to being a bit defensive and frowning all the time. So actually, it's something that I absolutely adore about the American culture, that that positive outlook on things. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're speaking with Olivier Manier, and Olivier's new book is Stuff Parisians Like. You can learn more about Olivier's work at his website, o-chateau.com. Olivier, a lot of Americans have a kind of a love-hate relationship with Parisian waiters. What do the Parisians think about their own waiters? <laughs> well, truthfully, I would say that Parisians truly dislike Parisian waiters, you know, just like uh, they dislike Parisian taxi drivers. Parisians find their waiters pretty rude. What happens in, in your typical Parisian restaurant is a fantastic whirlwind of passive aggression. You know, like clients and waiters don't really think much of one another. So tensions silently add up and usually poor service uh, tends to ensue. <laughs> wow. So the waiters don't think much of their clients and the clients don't think much of the waiters. And, uh, nope. But everybody has a little veneer of sort of uh, decency. Yeah, ish. You know, but a lot of, um, of French people, a lot of Parisians actually, all refer to service in America as being so great. And so they all wish that Parisian waiters were a bit more like American waiters. Ah, so Parisians appreciate American-style service. They very much do. Where the the customer is king. Yet they are not quite prepared to pay the same amount in tips. (laughs) And running a wine bar, I can tell you this firsthand. So Parisians under tip, and they complain about the waiters, and they like the whole notion that the customer is king. I, I know when you go shopping as an American in Paris... You kind of think, hello, I was taught the customer is king, but you're treating me like dirt here. Yeah, well, it's part of that whole non-tipping culture. I would say that it won't bring anything more to the person attending to you to uh, give you good service. So they don't necessarily go the extra mile for you. But reversely, because a lot of I feel like a lot of people, a lot of Americans, when they travel to Paris, they expect that since they pay, they should get something. And it's not at all how it works in Paris. In Paris, it's more... If you're nice, if you're polite, then you're going to get something. Money is extremely secondary because those waiters and the staff in front of you, basically, they don't get the money you're spending. So it doesn't make a difference for them. While if you're being nice, that they get right away. Okay, so the best way to tip is to be a joy to serve. Basically, and then you're going to get good service uh, because it's pretty rare for Parisians to be 
a joy to serve anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be a remarkable customer. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Olivier Mani about stuff Parisians like. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Neil's on the phone from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Neil, thanks for your call. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, what are your thoughts on waiters in Paris? Well, I, I, I read Olivier's book, and I liked it a lot. I, I did see the uh, chapter on waiters and read it right after I had a, uh, a terrific experience with one. I was sitting on the Place de Vosges at a sidewalk cafe, and through a little scam, a couple of uh, young boys grabbed the iPhone off my table and disappeared into the Place de Vosges. They didn't exactly disappear. I could see them through the fence, and I stood up. I couldn't leave because I had my camera bag and other things there. I couldn't go chasing off after them. But my waiter saw me uh, stand up and immediately came over and did a, I suppose, Gallic shrug, except uh, this shrug, and, you know, what can I do to, to help? And I said, they stole my, my phone. And he, he quickly patted his uh, shirt and his pants and realized he had his keys and took a few steps away, jumped onto his motorcycle, uh, sped down the street, sped to the far side of the uh, Place de Vosges and confronted the two young boys as they were coming out the other side, pointed at them and said, come here and hand me the phone. They handed him the phone. He jumped back on his bike yeah. and sped back to the cafe. So, so my experience with the uh, French waiter uh, in that particular scenario was certainly... That was a French superhero. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it was just one of those scenes that you couldn't have scripted, um, but it was, it was lovely. And, and I do agree. If you're in July on the Champs-Élysées, and yeah, there's going to be waiters who are, are not particularly happy to be there. But uh, uh-huh. I've had... Uh, good and bad experiences, and, you know, you try not to stereotype them. But, Neil, you know, I suspect that this waiter was not fully Parisian because <laughs> you describe him as, as having a little bit of testosterone in him, which is rather un-Parisian. <laughs> Neil, you, you talked about he gave you a, a Gallic shrug, and normally I think that means just, like, well, deal with it yes. yourself, you know. But this was a different kind of Gallic shrug. And I was expecting the one you were referring to, which is an eh, so what? And uh, instead it was a, I don't understand what's happening. And uh, he he, uh, quickly came to my defense, came to my assistance, and retrieved the uh, very valuable iPhone in that particular scenario. Well, that's encouraging, Neil. (laughs) It it, it is. And, uh, you know, I've experienced good ones and uh, and bad ones and just always learn something from them. And I think they take service seriously. I think they're, they're very very conscious of, uh, of wanting to do a good job in many, many places. I think the mindset you bring to Paris shapes your experience to a great degree, and a good challenge for a good traveler is to find a way to enjoy Paris. Thanks, Neil, for your call. All right, thank you. Take care. Allison's on the line in Spokane, Washington. Allison, thanks for your call. Hi, Rick. Hi, Olivier. Hey, I'm wondering if all those thin Parisians are really eating pastries every day from all those pastry shops around Paris, and, and I wonder what color of macaron should I order in my bad, fractured French if I really want to fit in and be uh, cool? <laughs> Good observations. What about those thin Parisian women who are always munching the macarons? <laughs> it's interesting. It's actually one thing that all Parisians have in common is they all believe they're, they are too fat. You know, no matter how skinny they are, they're all too fat. Hmm. So they all go on a diet. They actually don't go there. They just stay on a diet constantly, uh, especially women. And, you know, one thing to sort of answer your question, Allison, is whenever I go to the U.S., I'm sort of shocked at how much women eat there. You know, 
in Paris, most women just have a half of a salad and just claim that they are full, basically. So, <laughs> so they're the little macaroons and little pastries is just the occasional given in. Usually, you have a you know a low moment, a little blow in your day. You're gonna have a little pastry, but I must say that you will not find a whole lot of women eating pastries. They're very conscious about their diet, about what they eat, and so they tend to stay away from uh, bakeries and pastries and all these good, mm -hmm. good things. Olivier, what about exercising? A lot of people who are health conscious in the United States and want to look good in their jeans, uh, they're a member of an athletic club. <laughs> I would say that a good majority of people who jog in Paris are foreigners. You know, like the French don't really exercise much. They basically look down on people who do, to be fully honest. So, um, the, the only exception you'll find is Parisians who have spent time in the U.S. And, and those basically have realized that it was actually possible to be both smart and in shape, so, which was oh, okay. a revelation for most of them. So those will jog and they'll usually sport an American sweatshirt or something that say that they're not stupid, that they actually went to the U.S. So something that says NYPD or the logo of a big American university. But it's important for them to say like they're not the stupid people who work out. They're the Americanized people who work out. Healthy American lifestyle. Absolutely. Allison, did you find a favorite place to get your macaron? No, I just, I'm just so intrigued with it all. It's such a fascinating topic. I'm, hey, may I ask one other quick question about what would you give a Parisian if you're an American tourist that you'd like to give a little gift to a casual acquaintance or friend or, or relative or someone you're going to be meeting? or What would they be impressed with and think, hey, that is really neat? Um, let me think. Nothing food-related. Because no matter how good the food can be in America, the French still believe that it's disgusting. Um, <laughs> so I wouldn't try that. Well, no, actually, a good answer is anything from New York. Oh. Like, Parisians are obsessed with New York. <laughs> they all wish they were New Yorkers. They all look up to anything New York. So anything that says New York or that is from New York or a little artist from New York, something under... They, they love the word underground and New York. Those two <laughs> words put together, it will huh. make them so happy. <laughs> Alison, thanks a lot for your call. Okay, thank you. Okay, happy bye travels bye. in Paris. Alison was talking about macarons, which we have to distinguish are different from the coconutty macaroons that, that Americans know a lot of times. Talk to us about this macaron craze in Paris, in La Durée. It's a very old, old uh, pastry, and it's uh, sort of uh, gone through a second win over the past, I would say, 10 years. And indeed, La Durée has become the, the flagship of macaron, the epitome of it almost. It's actually, it has grown a lot. Like they open in London, they have a shop in New York. You can actually buy it at Charles de Gaulle's airport. You can buy your La Durée macarons, which is rather un-French. It's like quick expansion. <laughs> so I don't know who is behind this, but mm. yeah, La Durée is really um, something that has become well-known relatively recently to all people in Paris. It could be a classy gift, couldn't it, if you were going to visit somebody in Paris to bring a, a little bag of macarons? Well, they have it at home, so I wouldn't know if I would okay. bring it, but it's something that's always um, enjoyed by everybody around having a nice macaron. It's a nice little treat. Just going to the La Durée on, on the Champs-Élysées, to me, is a beautiful stop. It is a nice stop. There's also a lovely La Durée on the Rue Royale, which is a street between the Place de la Concorde and the Madeleine. Uh, on the right side, you'll find a lovely La Durée. You can sit there, have a, have a little... Um, chocolat, a little mm. café, and, and some pastries. It's a lovely place, too. The colors are just exquisite on these delicate little pastel macarons. What's your favorite flavor? Yeah. I must say I'm a big chocolate fan. Chocolate macaron. <laughs> All right. There's a lot of trendiness with eating in Paris. If we're heading off to Paris in the near future, what's, what's cool these days? Sushi. <laughs> they, 
believe it or not, sushi is. There, there's really, to me, there's three dimensions of being cool in Paris. One is owning an iPhone, two is wearing Converse, and three is eating sushi. <laughs> and you have to eat sushi at least twice a week, I'd say. Uh, sushi is really huge in Paris. And there's also a very big like sushi delivery market. Like You don't want to cook at home while you're mm. just ordering some sushi. But that being said, I'd say that most sushis that are eaten in Paris are not very good compared to the ones you may eat uh, in the States, for instance. Ironically enough, actually, most sushi restaurants in Paris are owned and operated by Chinese immigrants. A lot of times I'll step into a, a fancy store and I'll see a whole wall of mineral waters. And it's as if Parisians are as crazy about their mineral water as their wine. What's your take on that? <laughs> well, I'd say that Parisians love small luxuries, you know, luxuries that they can afford and luxuries that will separate them from the masses. Like the masses drink tap water, well, maybe they can afford mineral water. It's not that expensive. It's a bit like um, like La Durée, for instance. It's not that expensive mm-hmm. to buy macarons, two, three euros. Everybody can afford it. But currently, the, the queen of all mineral waters in Paris is San Pellegrino. The Parisians actually simply refer to it as Sampé, you know, and you go to restaurants to un sampé, s'il vous plaît. <laughs> un sampé. Now I'm feeling like a trendy local. Very cool. Un sampé, <laughs> s'il vous plaît. Voilà. Tourists, it seems to me, just annoy Parisians. And it's a, a funny kind of dynamic because they, they need our money and, uh, you know, they're, they like Woody Allen, uh, but we <laughs> annoy them. What's, what is it about us that annoys Parisians? Paris itself is 2 million people, and I believe there's 26 million tourists in Paris every year. So it's a lot of people, basically, that are tourists in the city. And most Parisians actually do not work with tourists at all. So they don't really realize the impact that they have on the local economy. You know, most Parisians work for big companies, corporations, things like that. So very few actually proportionally work directly and interact directly with tourists. So... Most Parisians believe that there's nothing more degrading than being a tourist in Paris. Like the minute you can be a professor, you can be a lawyer, you can be anybody, the most successful, the smartest person in the world. The minute you step foot in Paris as a tourist, you just become a tourist. You're ah. like downgraded. So you're so a Parisian, just, Olivia. What, what is the cliche of an American tourist to you? What, what is the extreme of a tourist? Well, they walk slow, they're loud, they wear sneakers, they they wear dubious colors, they get lost uh, in the metro, they're amazed by every little thing. So actually, Persians love to imitate uh, American tourists. You know, they have this, this impression and they just go, oh my God, and then they laugh really loud. It's actually kind of funny. <laughs> so that's a Parisian uh, mimicking an American? Oh my God. Absolutely. Oh, my God, God. it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're getting a candid look at um, the stuff Parisians like and the stuff they don't like with Olivier Magny, who's written a book called The Stuff Parisians Like. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Eric's on the phone from Hoboken, New Jersey. Eric, thanks for your call. Oh, hi. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I, I'm a, a kind of a transplant. I, I go between, I was born in America, my mother's French, she lived her life in the U.S., retired back to Paris, so I'm back and forth quite a bit, and I'm highly Americanized. I speak French fairly well. I'm dual citizen, so I kind of have a foot in both countries, and it's always been my dream to buy an apartment in Paris, and I'm not sure if that's a pied-à-terre or if that's really a place I want to move to and try to start a career there, but where I'm looking, I, I generally dream of living somewhere in the uh, 11th, the 10th, or the 3rd, up on this small kind of off to the east, a little bit out of the main tourist areas. 
And I just was looking for pointers on how to buy an apartment thinking like a French Parisian, not an American who's always had a dream of going to Paris, and if that would change my perspective as I look and consider either what I buy or how I buy, how I negotiate, anything that could give me a little insight into uh, having a little more cultural understanding of that process. And Olivier, uh, Eric mentioned a pied-à-terre. What is a pied-à-terre? Pied-à-terre is just having a little place. It's not very big. It's not very fancy, but you can just go there whenever you feel like. So it can be in Paris. It can be in the countryside and on the French Riviera. Just a little place that you you keep for your little uh, getaways. So Eric, I would say my first tip would be make a lot of money (laughs) because... Those apartments are expensive. There's been a crazy inflation when it comes to, well, the euro has generated a lot of inflation and the real estate market has just gone absolutely insane in Paris for the past 10, 20 years. Um, So that would be step one. Now, you know, you mentioned the 10th, the 11th. I've actually lived in these neighborhoods. There are nice, it depends really what you want to do with your apartment when you're not there. A lot of Americans who own apartments in Paris rent them out to friends, to tourists, And those neighborhoods that are a bit less central and a bit less glamorous might not be as attractive. So, you know, that's something that you can um, take into consideration. I would say that neighborhoods like Saint-Germain-des-Prés or like the Marais, no Parisian lives there anymore. I would Mm. say that probably 80% of these apartments, they're just running out to tourists. So central Paris, and it's a bit sad to witness, is becoming very much like Disneyland. You know, it's nothing very much real anymore. It's a lot of... uh, tourists and people who deal with tourists. So to me, it's it's just nice to go there, but uh, you hardly hear a French speaker when you go to Saint-Germain-des-Prés. So Americans like to stay there in general. I would say, yeah, if you want to have something a bit more authentic in terms of the energy and the creativity of the city, aiming for these arrondissements you mentioned, the 10th, the 11th, the 9th is becoming pretty popular as well. The third is already, anything that's one digit is a bit more fancy um, and a different price point already. Olivier, you mentioned in your book that the most desirable address in Paris is the Ile Saint-Louis, but that's also very, very touristy, isn't it? Has that changed? It is extremely touristy, and most Parisians, I would say, dream about having a place on the, the Ile Saint-Louis. Ile Saint-Louis has it, has it all, basically. It's central, but somehow, since it's an island, it's a bit isolated. It's beautiful, mm-hmm. but it's discreet. You know, it's vibrant, but it's quiet. Um, it's really the essence of Paris. To me, it's nest. It's a... It's the most charming smile I write in the book. It's a beautiful place, but, you know, there's only that many apartments on that island. That's very helpful. It kind of corroborates what I was thinking. And the point about not being able to rent it for much is a good one. But I think that I was thinking that it's a, my strategy is to be a little more authentic. And my mother lives in the 11th, a homey small, and you rarely see tourists. There's not really, except for maybe Perlachez Cemetery, there's not a lot of tourism. So it really feels more authentic. The small shops aren't overrun. It's really not that crush of tourists. It's mostly Parisians, and, and I generally don't go in July or August anyway, so it's it's very nice. So I, I think the, the advice I'm getting is that that might be a, a good place to look. And I know it's expensive, but luckily the euro is tanking right now, so it's a good good time to be looking. You know, I think the tip to keep in mind, is, as Olivier mentioned, is the center is overrun in a lot of cases by tourists, but Paris is a vast place, and uh, you'll pay more to be in the center, and arguably you get less of Paris in the center because you're going to be surrounded by people who have just moved in, and there's a, a lot of arrondissements outside of the center that would be more affordable and give you a more Parisian experience if you're looking for a pied-à-terre. Eric, thanks for your call. Thanks a lot. Thanks okay. both. 
And Monique's on the phone in Haverhill, Massachusetts. Hi. My question is, um, can you let me in on the secret of how French women and men um, do their scarves? How do they get that sort of I'm beautiful and I don't even try kind of look? <laughs> That's a good description. I know what you're talking about. It's interesting. I, th- I think, you know, when I hear your question, I hear a lot of what Americans project onto the French, uh, which is a lot of culture, a lot of glamour, a lot of uh, very fancy things that are not always there. You know, Persians, I'd say, they like the romantic glow that comes with wearing a scarf. You know, men think of poetry. Women think of uh, untimely elegance. You know, both would like for their scarf to dance with the tormented winds of Paris. I would say it's not as much about how you wear it as it is about how involved you are in your scarf and with your scarf. You really have to have uh, an intention of filling uh, that scarf. Whoa, that sounds pretty philosophical. Olivia, what (laughs) what about jeans? Because the Parisians have a thing about jeans, too. Yeah, jeans are, it's an extremely easy way to tell the age of a Parisian. You know, if your Persian is under 50 years old, always wear jeans. Persians over 50 never do. You know, jeans somehow are associated with like freedom. So most Persians, when they're not at work, well, they wear jeans because they're free. Um, and if their job allows them to wear jeans, well, they sure will be wearing those jeans just basically to show other people how cool their job <laughs> is. Um, <laughs> but one thing, the one little tip, never wear jeans with sneakers in Paris. That's really a big, uh, big faux pas there. And Persian women tend to own a lot of pairs of jeans. Like They'll buy a pair of jeans every month, maybe more. So they're extremely concerned about the fit. You know, and the main question you hear all the time is basically, does it make my ass look big? <laughs> that is the main concern of French women when it comes to jeans. Men don't really care about the fit. I would say some cuts will say a thing or two about your sexual orientation. <laughs> wow, you could write a whole book on jeans in Paris. No, why not? <laughs> why not? All right. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Olivier Magny about his new book, Stuff Parisians Like. Olivier's website is o-chateau.com. You can check out his blog there. Olivier, you feel the French are so proud of being French, but at the same time, when you go to France, it strikes me that the men really like foreign women better than French women. What's your take on that? Well, I would say that one of the biggest myths, and that's one I tried to dispel in the book, is that the French, they're not actually proud of France or of being French. Uh, That idea might have been true 30, 40 years ago, but I don't think it's the case anymore. So that's one big myth. Then another huge myth uh, I also tried to dispel in the book is that of La Parisienne. You know, Persian women's um, main ambition in life is not glamorous, it's not elegance, not culture. It is really not to be viewed as a slut. And that has substantial consequences on the way uh, they behave on a daily basis. Persian women, you rarely see them dancing, drinking, laughing sometimes, uh, not much flirting uh, going on. I would say that French women are amongst the most dull and depressing individuals on the planet, right? <laughs> okay, so so then I guess foreign women would uh, be a remedy to that for the Parisian men. Absolutely, you know, like I, I might, I mean, That's true. Like you, you listen to my thing. I'm hugely frustrated, and the answer is yes, absolutely. And you would be too if you lived in a city where half of the population is completely anemic. But um, so yeah, Frenchmen who basically have been lucky enough to travel overseas usually end up with foreigners. Um, so basically, my my message to your listeners out there who are women and single is uh, well, you should come to Paris because there's a lot of Frenchmen that are eagerly waiting for you. So, Olivier, um, how's your romantic life? 
<laughs> well, I'm no exception. I'm your typical Persian. My wife is American. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking about stuff Parisians like, and apparently that might be you. <laughs> <laughs> Olivier Monnier, thanks very much for uh, giving a very candid look at your beautiful but uh, quirky city. Merci beaucoup. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. His classic Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. At Rick Steves' online travel store, you'll also find guidebooks for France, Paris, Provence and the Riviera, and Rick's French phrasebook. To learn more about Rick's guidebooks for France and beyond, visit the travel store at ricksteves.com. <laughs>